Hello and welcome to Only Fools and Brotherly Forces, the randomised UK comedy podcast currently working its way through some of the old greats and some of the not-so-greats. Joined, as always, by my brother Bobby. Good evening, Bob. How's everything going? Good evening, Jamie. Not too bad. It is very much, uh, I think, winter flu season in this entire half of the planet. And uh, I think we, I, I can't remember the last time I felt fully human. It, it's been several weeks. Um, but uh, no, it's good. I, I'm feeling better than I have felt for weeks. So it's, it's nice to kind of get on pod, probably since the last time we recorded. So yeah, it's nice. Nice to be here again. Yeah, I'm not... Um... I'm not ill part per se, but I have got a headache and uh, I have been quite ill over the last, like during this month that you're talking about for sure. Mm. I remember you were fighting off a cough on the last, uh, on the last pod. You hid that fairly well for most of it. Oh, I did hear that, hide that really well because it was absolutely horrible. I, I had to listen to it, but at least the listeners didn't. <laughs> Hooray for editing. so this week we are doing uh british empire which i was um very excited about when it came up on our randomizer uh last week um and yeah we we managed to find it through um britbox but there was also basically it's on youtube I, i found a few episodes on youtube which you can watch and i watched a couple of those just to see how the production and everything progressed um after i'd watched through the the series yeah it's a weird one this it's it was exceptionally popular at the time it peaked at 10 million viewers in its heyday and yet it then kind of disappeared off the face of the earth never to be talked about again it um it just never really got repeated in the way that so many shows of that time have been uh it just got really forgotten about and it's a tiny bit too early for us uh as well kind of ads as kids so for me i had essentially no awareness of this at all uh, despite Red Dwarf being several years earlier and me knowing that very well, obviously that went on for longer. But like, I love Chris Barry from that. But I was basically completely unaware of this show. I went in blind. Yeah, and I, I just had this um, outlining memory of of Chris Barry specifically, but this very sort of green um, set. And I just remembered laughing at, at some of it and some of the elements of the, the show I definitely remembered it's like deep in that nostalgia part of my brain but but um it was really enjoying uh i really enjoyed sort of watching it for that when it when something so like opaque and so like just there as a memory to sort of tickle it with uh with it again was was quite nice um but largely i didn't remember it all that very well uh it, it came out in 1991 um i was really curious as to the timeline of that compared to red dwarf so red dwarf had actually already done series one two and three by 1990 well yeah well yeah so i mean and that that was that was a pretty big hit and a bit of a cult classic straight on. So Chris Barry's very much in the zeitgeist. Everyone knows who he is. He's he's had a successful show, and Red, uh, series four was bit was also in the same year as this. So he was in this year recording Red Dwarf series four and and uh, and British Empire. 
There is, I mean, there aren't many uh, many people that are doing two main characters in two sitcoms at the same time, like he did for what four or five years. That's mm. um, that, that's pretty unique. That's not very common. I mean, he's the main in this and the number two Bill in Red Dwarf. Like that, that he has a lot to do. I mean, each shooting is he number is... two in Red Dwarf? Are you calling Lister number one? Oh yeah, I'm definitely sure they they're equal billing. Surely they, they probably are. I I just think of it because I know the first series best, and he's definitely the lead in first series. Over time, they all kind of even out, all four of them really. But in the first series, you, I always feel like you're kind of coming from Lister's perspective, especially in the early series. Mm. So, and they're the ones I know best. Um, but this isn't the Red Dwarf podcast. <laughs> no, it's not. It, there will it will be there. Um, but. It's on the list, right? It's got to be on the list. I hope it is on the list. We haven't omitted that from the list. That would be a disaster. No, no, for sure. Uh, but yeah, it's very odd. Um, wh- one thing Chris Berry did in this is he uh, he said, I saw an interview, he did deliberately want to change his kind of voice and tone and stuff. Uh, although there are similarities between the two characters, they are both uh, trying to be Painful. kind of likable, but definitely complete dicks. Uh, but, but he kind of changes his tone in his voice. He says this is more of a an estuary accent as opposed to his kind of standard, more middle class accent. He didn't want to sound quite as um, like a public school uh, with this character as kind of Rimmer tries to do. Uh, but it's it's still a, a a pretty kind of pretentious persona generally, right? Yeah, and it's a bit more like corporate professional, whereas Rimmer's obviously a bit more. I don't know, scummy. Just a bit more swearing, I guess. It's a bit more. Um, he says towards working uh, middle class, but but the show is, I guess, more working class in just yeah, it's yeah. how it is, and more adolescent. Whereas this is this is a bit more grown up, or at least his character is a bit more grown up. Yeah, he uses a lot of like extensive vocabulary in this character, yeah. um, but then he's doing it in a slightly more kind of you know sort of lower middle class extra estuary accent as opposed to. Rimmer, which is quite a nice accent, but then he's effing and blinded all the time. <laughs> and it's a lot more like simple uh, uh, in the kind of things he says. Uh, but y- you can't help but draw parallels, um, not just between this and uh, and Red Dwarf, but also just several other shows around kind of before and afterwards. I really feel like you can place this on a timeline of comedy mm. and it makes sense. It's kind of... You can see there's some evolution going on from yeah. old stuff, and you can see the where the roots of the new stuff may have got some of the stuff from. Definitely. Totally, yeah. It's, it's like post Faulty Towers. There's definitely those elements in there. It's pre yeah. The Office and pre kind of <laughs> Alan Partridge. This is how close we are. So the exact two comparisons I made for pre and post were Faulty Towers and The Office. I have yeah. that in a note later on. Yeah, that's what it is, very much. I think there's a lot of like Alan Partridge kind of stuff in there as well. Uh, that's in that kind of way that a lot of 90s stuff was a bit like that. Um, but yeah, it's it fits in there nicely. Bits of both. Well, I, th- I think like a lot of people actually don't know this very well. Maybe weren't there at the time, or or weren't sort of massive. Um, fans of it so maybe there'll be less people listening to this I don't know but we'll try and sort of give you an, an air and an idea of, of how the show is and and whether it's sort of worth you going back and watching it um, as you normally do but the preamble done we've laid the foundations which is a bit of an in-joke because the first episode is called laying the foundation um, let, <laughs> um, let's get into it um, first thing we'll do is listen to the theme tune 
Yeah, we always do that. Well, yeah. when there is one, which there isn't, it's based. True. Uh, yes, there is a theme tune. Uh, what did you think of the theme tune? Yeah, it's a very sort of like modern take on a sort of post-positive war British tally-ho sort of thing going yeah. on, isn't it? Yeah, he, he thinks it's the... it's. I think, ironically playing that, he thinks he's the general of his army as kind of many middle-upper man- middle managers think they are, um, in in a very similar way that Rimmer is. I will start making comparisons. Uh, <laughs> it, there's definitely, yeah, that, that army tone to it, and he's working out. But there's this weird effect to it, which is so 90s, for, uh, that I, I I genuinely thought there was something wrong with the version I was watching. <laughs> Me too, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, is this okay? Oh, no, it's meant to be like this. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, really, really weird. Very, um, oh, what's, that, what's that guy, Max Headroom kind of thing going on? No idea who that is. Yeah, it's... Uh, is it a YouTube guy, is it? Uh, no, it was a thing in the 90s, a mental thing on American oh, okay. TV. Uh, I listened to a podcast about it. I won't. I won't go too um, into detail, but those who understand know what I mean. Okay, so let's set the scene um, for those that don't know. So, uh, British uh, Empire, Gordon Britas is is uh, Chris Berry's character, and he is the manager of this leisure centre in, um, it's not Whitby, Whitbury, which uh, is a fictional place, but we they do talk about places like Aldershot and and sort of other places a bit close to us as well in, in terms of, well, well, you, well, not you now, obviously, but uh, in in our, in our sort of Hampshire-ish proximity. So yeah, it does seem like it's kind of set reasonably south and south southwesty. I, I have heard it said that it is specifically set in Hampshire. That's not uh, oh, an, cool. unreasonable to infer. I, I, I'm not sure it's said explicitly in this series, but uh, that for as a general knowledge, it is set in Hampshire, as is and the uh, the the leisure centre where it is filmed. Uh, all the exterior shots are filmed in a leisure cent- at a leisure centre, and even some of the interior shots. That is a um, a leisure centre uh, just near the New Forest, I believe. Oh right, so I might know it. Then. I'm in the New Forest all the time. Oh, Come on, look it up, Bob. Do your job. You've only I got know. one. I, job. D- I knew. <laughs> I, I've actually got more trivia on it as well. I should have written it down. <laughs> well, you got it, but you just remembered it. I, I just, didn't. I wrote down bits, but not the name of the leisure centre. Uh, okay, well, while you look that up, I'll uh, explain the rest. So, um, series one, he, uh, Gordon Brittus, or Chris Barry, uh, is coming into his first day. So he's just taken over from somebody else in the leisure centre. And over this first series, we're, we're basically going to learn his management style and how he sort of forms or doesn't form relationships uh, with the staff and he he's basically like bobby said a bit of a dick ringwood heath leisure center ringwood yeah okay cool that, that's just, check it out that is the name of it um Take a little selfie next to it yeah <laughs> but basically everything that he touched everything he touches just falls to pieces and he just causes havoc like super over management and poor decisions all of the time basically yeah, it's that classic sitcom kind of trope of just complex solutions to simple problems. Lots and lots of, um, oh no, we've misunderstood each other. Hilarity ensues. Um, mm. it, it's quite, it's pretty formulaic in that way. There are some very clever bits in there, things that I didn't mm. see coming. 
Um, but the the kind of general principle is that. But kind of turned up to eleven to what a lot of more modern sitcoms are, in as much as this is quite surreal in places. Oh, and yeah. it's outlandish some of the stuff that goes on. Yeah, they said I have heard it described as a farce, basically as like mm. a full-on farce in the theatrical tradition of a farce, uh, which I hadn't really thought about until I read it. Which, in a way, made it almost make more sense to me because I kind of struggle with that level of uh, e- extra reality. Like I like a little bit of grounding. Like, I don't mind some kind of crazy shows like young ones is mental and not real but i don't know it feels more grounded in reality even though there's a lot more weirdness in that than in this but there it makes sense and this i find it quite weird it took me a long time to adjust it's a very real setting though like it it feels everything about it feels very real and like a day in the life of a leisure center and like the the people and the characters are quite real but then some of the the rabbit holes and tangents we go on as things go wrong are uh, are pretty surreal, like you say, or they're they're pushed to extremes. <clears throat> but I kind of liked it for that. Uh, I th- I think it it kind of needs it because it would be mundane as you like to just have, um, you know, problems that you would have in a leisure centre. Well, I mean, America has Parks and Recreation, which is you know. Uh, have you seen much of that i've seen yeah i've seen a bit it's um i, I haven't really gotten into it i've given i think i've like tried a series in a bit like maybe yeah, 15 maybe episodes too. or so I, I mean it, it's popular but i haven't really gotten into it yet i'm I'm far from convinced but uh yes. I, might, I might watch some more but i i think i did suffer kind of whiplash a lot from it just the kind of level of surrealness in this qu- seemingly quite kind of normal situation i just i really struggled to adjust to it um and i kind of felt like that was it it would it had created its world and was living in it quite accurately and and in a way that worked but i just really struggled to get into it into the, the world into that yeah, yeah into the world i wasn't really like embedded in it i mean it might not have helped that i watched the four episodes kind of literally at home off work with a cold uh, struggling deeply for, for maybe not in the best mental headspace um, but I just really was confused a lot of the time of, of just how mental it was yeah I can see that um, one thing I meant to say at the start of the episode which I haven't said yet is we kind of have fallen into a format in uh, the sort of behind the scenes format in terms of our watching uh, because I I'm able to sort of dedicate really late time into it Bobby pretty much always gets the first few episodes in first and i can't i can't help but sort of just ask how it goes and, and your first sort of reactions to it were were mediocre to say the bet to say the least but i kind of really am happy that that happened because i think it not only sets my expectations much lower which will always make things that are not so good seem better but it also inspires me to really look hard for good things because yeah. i already know because our opinions are so close that i know that if you're already sort of treading that mediocre line that my impression is largely going to be the same so i kind of felt like oh it's actually 
up to me to to find some stuff to love this for. I mean, there were nine series of it, so I mean, it was liked enough to get seven, right? seven. Sorry, sorry, seven series. Yeah. So it was liked enough to get uh, redone and redone. And IMDb, I mean, all the episodes are seven and above. It seemed to peak around sort of series five. Yeah. Where pretty much all of them were like eight, eight point two. So the consistency is incredible for those ratings. Yeah. So it definitely found um, its feet and did progressively get a little bit better. Although the, I think the last season's rated really poorly. Um, I don't know what the sort of time. Do you want to get into there. why? Yeah, do it. Let's do it. Go on. Let's <laughs> go right to the end. <laughs> well, um, this is the only force and brotherly forces. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, the first five series it was kind of commissioned as a as a kind of a five series block, and the fir- and the first five series were written by the same two guys by um, Richard Fane and Andrew Norris. And uh, they were done. They didn't want to write anymore. But at the time, it was at its absolute peak, it, you know, at, at that point, at the end of Series mm. 5. And so BBC wanted to carry on making it, so they brought in new writers for Series 6 and 7. Oh, really? And it didn't quite do as well. It was not by no means hated or lambasted or anything like that, but it was just considered not quite as good. Um, interesting word of the week from Bobby. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, interestingly, I did look up the kind of uh, the the IMDb's of Richard Fane and and Andrew Norris. They did very little else. Like <laughs> the almost, guys who originally wrote it, or the second right? No, the guys who originally wrote it, like before oh, right, or okay. after, especially after, almost nothing. Like Bernard's Watch level nothing. Um, <laughs> so I was did they surprised. Write Bernard's Watch. They've as in yes, they wrote Bernard's Watch. So that is terribly great. I mean, it's great, but I mean, it's a <laughs> it's a kids it's show. Soulless, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the the most kind of like elevator pitch concept ever. Ah, <laughs> oh, kids got to watch. You can stop time. Great, done. Um, that was easy. So yeah, I, I was surprised to see that they kind of like turned down the offer from BBC to carry on making one of the most popular shows on telly at the time to apparently not do a lot. But that seems to be what happened, unless they had a complete career change. Um, but I mean, IMDb shows IMDb shows director credits, producer credits, everything, and I couldn't really see much, to be honest. Not much of note. Um, so uh, I, hope, I hope that's not harsh to say. But yeah, uh, that that's basically why it kind of hit that peak, and then and then kind of dipped a bit after there. That makes sense. Well, um, pulling back to the start. Um, we get a bit of a blast from the brotherly forces past with um a, an actor that we know very well from Only Fools and Horses. Um, I, I'm putting a butcher name, Andre, Andrea, Andrea, Bernard. Funny enough, uh, not her watch. Um, who's nervous, Neris? Is this a free world van? Well, it was the last time I counted. But Bernard is fr- Bernard is French, right? So that's got to be a French, Andre. I'm not Andre. sure. Andrea, yeah, I'm Andrea. not sure. It could be Andrea. Ooh. But anyway, something, Andrea Bernard, potentially, um, who is Nervous Neris in Only Fools and Horses, plays a um, a pretty uh, main sub-cast character uh, in the in the episode, and she's kind of great in it. Um, mm, I, like, I the, liked her in it. Uh, although, interestingly, she's only in the first season. 
yes, I was looking at some of the uh, the trends of the actors, but most of them actually stay. Um, surprisingly, yeah, basically everyone except her character, which changes twice. Uh, so uh, I think she does the first series, then someone does four series, and then someone else comes in for the final two. Uh, that basically essentially fills that same that same role. But yeah, or, or pretty much all the others do seem to hang around forever, at least most of them. That can lead us on to some of the, the performances of the actors and <laughs> actresses. Yeah. There is some good actors in there. Um, uh, I've got it written down further. Britta's wife. Um, yeah, P- uh, Pippa uh, Haywood. Pippa Haywood, who is one of the most, must be one of the hardest working actresses in England. Like just one of those, that guys, that girls just has been constantly working, doing things forever. Um, is brilliant. Um, Barry is, is obviously good at the thing that he's doing and pretty much every other character gets progressively worse depending (laughs) on how much screen time they have. Yeah. Um, all of all of the other sub characters, like the staff, are not very good. Like they're passable, but they're not great. And then the actual extras or the sort of bit part characters are full on horrendous. Yeah, it's very odd. It's almost like deliberate. A lot of it is almost deliberately farcical and kind of bad. But there's so much hamminess. I mean, one of them. It seems like almost the 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 main. Uh, staff members you've got two and you have um uh jill greenacre sure yeah i'm gonna go with that so she plays the kind of the number two as you like and she's almost like the sensible one she just seems like the Mm. least mental uh if i'm getting that right maybe that's laura actually though that's laura isn't it just julia st john as laura she plays the the, the, you know, I struggled a bit with the cast. Yeah, because... I know. There's these, there's like four blonde women in them, and you can barely <laughs> tell them apart. No, and then you look at all their IMDb stuff, and they're all like sixty and plus now, and you're like, which one of those is which one? <laughs> yeah, like I, I, guess I, who? I, I'm looking at a couple of them now, and I'm, I haven't got the foggiest because n- none of them are developed very much, not in the first series mm. at least. And so I can I can barely tell them from Eve. The a lot of them. But there's there's like the assistant manager who seems like fairly down to earth. She's almost like the the kind of anchor, the audience, um, if you like. Uh, and the one who seems to be the next main one under that is Colin, mm. who is is played by Michael Burns. I mean, his he character, has some all right moments. I, I I disliked it pretty much in its entirety. Just, just it just <laughs> wasn't for me like, as a character. Yeah, I just didn't. I could see what he was trying to do. Clearly, incredibly popular. I saw him said to be many people's favorite character. But for me, it's just like token stupid Geordie, and also a token kind of weird sick note. Like there yeah. just, just seemed to be three or four cliches rammed together and kind of hammed in a way that just I just ne- I never found anything he did funny. Oh, there were a couple of bits uh, I did not uh, hate, which was on the, the the sort of penultimate episode, which was uh, when he needed the toilet quite a lot, and he his actual physical acting about needing the piss, very like jumped up was was quite funny. I did quite like yeah. it, quite like that. Really he made me laugh once me. or twice, but it is it is a bit. It was very tropey and not it very unimaginative. Like mm. the character wrote itself and. 
I feel like a character in that position does help the show and belongs in the show, but I didn't think the execution was particularly great. Yeah, something about it just didn't really work for me. Um, it would have been nice. I, I heard it described um, in in a, on one very well written uh, article. I can't remember where from now. Maybe um, I'm not going to guess because I can't remember. Uh, and, and it pointed out that in many ways the show was you know quite progressive with its cast, as it had pretty much an even male female split. It had um, a gay couple in it, uh, which was at the time all. Are very they a pro- couple? Uh, oh, they definitely are. I mean, they are it's in the first couple of episodes. Heavily insinuated in the first yeah. episode, and then by the end, you're like, "Oh, they're who knows? Not, not a couple." Yeah, I, I think they are. That they're they're two they're two gay guys who clearly have been intimate. Whether they're still together is very much left. It's almost like they're 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 nodding to it, but they almost don't. I don't know if they just don't want to go too far or or whatever. They're almost holding back a bit on those characters. I also, again, a bit like the women, because their characters weren't very well flushed out, I off, I got them confused constantly, hmm. um, the two guys. Uh, and just like with... Um, it was different with Nervous Neris's character, uh, Andrea. I, I recognised her and I knew her, so it kind of made her stand out. But a couple of the others, I, I'd never seen them in much, so I, I couldn't really pull them apart. And those two guys... I didn't really recognize them. They did look kind of similar and they weren't given many interesting character traits at all. They kind mm. of, uh, so there, there was just, it was just a bit thin on the ground on character development. And I know it's only one series, but it is a full series. It, I would have liked a bit more there. Yeah. Yeah. So they got a lot of things to bash. Um, a couple of, a couple of good <laughs> things though. Um, the, the, the some of the elements of the story are pretty interesting. So on episode two, we we find out that his missus has got no confidence in him and and basically slagging him off to everyone. And I think by three or four, we find out she's fully having an affair. Yeah, three with somebody else, and which like, I didn't see coming in the slightest. No, like it feels like a fairly sort of straight, clean comedy, which which it is. But the the wife of this essentially nice and good doing man are having an affair, and she's lying, saying she's going to look after her uncle and like give him a bed bath and a massage, and it's all very like double entendre, or not even like just saying what's happening, and he thinks he's doing it to look her uncle. Um, so so there are some real curveballs in there which you don't expect, and and are definitely refreshing in the kind of otherwise bland element of of a lot of the the storylines i i really really liked the way that pippa haywood acted in terms of just i believed absolutely everything i said she said and mm. she inhabited the character really well and uh, really good i think one of the best performances on the show however the character is a complete, it's so unlikable really like i i found it weird how she almost at the start Hayward's character yeah at the start you're uh, you're almost pitying her because she you you know her husband's a bit of an idiot and she's kind of picking up the pieces after him but then by like episode two you realize that okay she kind of she knows what he is and she accepts it and kind of seems to love him anyway for whatever reason and there almost seems to be like an uh, uh they're a weird team that complete each other and then suddenly she's really? having this aff- I didn't get that at all. I got that a bit in the second episode. I almost felt like there was a begrudging acceptance in a way that was almost cute. But then by it's the third, 
and and so one was delusional and the other one hated the other one. <laughs> but I don't. Know, I didn't get the opinion she hated him when she was ranting about him in in episode two. I got the feeling that like she was fully aware of his flaws and accepted him anyway. Mm. Um, where by episode three, you're like, oh, uh, she actually doesn't care about him and is having an affair and kind of becomes a bit irredeemable in that way. And it's just like, this show is really light on likable people, which is something I talk about a lot. <laughs> like, Britas, I, I heard him described by many as like this kind of idiot, but likable. I don't think he is in this season. Now, it, I, I saw it written down in many places that he goes on, they, they play that up over time. He becomes more likable and they kind of play on his desire to do good even though he fails they kind of play mm. up his positive intentions and while there's elements of that in this series i still think he mostly just comes across as a cock yeah i, I don't think that you get a lot of that I, I think that you feel his intentions are always kind of good but he has this sort of seniority um general complex in one way or another um and that doesn't seem entirely redeemable um but i can see that 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 there's still like a good soul or good element to him and we are supposed to um sort of enjoy his company in one way or another yeah i feel like we're meant to but i'm not sure i actually get that in the first series i imagine that gets better it's interesting because the the exact same thing happened with um the american office where in the first series the the main character Michael Scott is plays like Ricky Gervais's equivalent uh, character in the English version. He was seen as not quite likable enough in the first season and was just a bit too annoying. And they always going forward tried to make make sure that they every now and then showed people that he was actually good at his job despite seemingly mm. being ridiculous. That actually he had some skills and he did care about people. And they really lead into that on that character. And I think the exact same thing must happen here. But in this first series, I think they've not quite got that balance right, which is not unreasonable given that, you know, the office couldn't do it 20 years later with a lot more experience and more writers and all that, you know, more material to work off. So it's mm. it's an acceptable flaw, but I, I think it's definitely a flaw. Mm. Another thing in episode two that I thought was kind of brilliant was this, obscenely elaborate storyline where for one reason or another some guy in the basement of the leisure center is literally shoveling coal from one from the cold store into this furnace to try and heat the place but for whatever reason he's like locked away and the whole place is now like stupidly hot but no one can get to him to tell different and then there's like this water leak as well and <laughs> so he's like knee deep in water um thinking that he's he, he's an old war veteran or something and and Britus has convinced him that he's basically serving the general and the, the whole thing is just mad we're we're in with this like ship's coal shoveling thing with water and fire and madness and i thought it was absolutely brilliant and the the budget and the set in there for that seemed mad in episode two for for series one i completely agree i thought that was the cleverest episode in the way that all came together um that element of the episode at least 
like as you say being kind of the way they set it up to kind of find an excuse to make him do it by hand like he's in an old ship and that he's got the whole kind of uh bad memory so he thinks he's still a sailor and yeah and then he ends up sinking like sinking because there's a water it's very cleverly put together the, that series of events came together very poetically it looked wicked um i thought that was probably the cleverest setup and kind of execution of, of any of the episodes yeah it's the that, highlight of the series that was that, sure. that was really really good i i thought that was that was brilliant it's uh, it's a shame there weren't more like that yeah, I mean, I think they must have blown pretty much all the budget on that episode, though, because <laughs> there's not a whole lot of, of big, budgety, spendy things going on, and that, that just is madness. Yeah, I mean, there's a few kind of attempts at effects and different funky things throughout, as you expect in any kind of retro 90s comedy, and it's all very, like, cheesy, but kind of cute, like old man on a runaway mobility scooter and, you know, things fallen out of the sky and electrocutions and and lots of kind of corny stuff that's that's done well i think that's done as well as anyone that that, as well as anyone can do it at that time uh that's all kind of fun so um i I just come across a note which is the middle of all my notes i'll just say it now so one of the things i often do is speak to one of the parentals to sort of get some sort of yardstick or impression of them and i spoke to the old man the other day and i was like did, did you ever watch british empire did you like it and it's like yeah i watched it it was all right like i liked some of it and some of it was all right but you know it wasn't wasn't a massive on it but he said there was one quote that he remembered that he thought was really brilliant that i thought he'd share with you now um which is at some point later in the series we meet uh his parents who who come out Okay. And um, they're saying to the other guys, like, you know, we brought him up to, to sort of succeed and tell him that he could do anything he wants and he puts his mind to it and if he worked hard enough, he could do it and blah, blah. And someone very sensibly says, oh, right, okay. What what do you think would happen if you said that to somebody who couldn't do all those things? And they just kind of stare and go, oh, and it kind of just explains him straight away because <laughs> if you tell someone who's not very good at things that everything they do is right and they can achieve anything, then what you do is create a monster. And I thought that was a really kind of interesting kind of idea for the character. Should, should we be concerned that that's what our, fa- our father found very memorable? <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's interesting that. I mean, they actually bring that up in, I think it's the very first episode, they talk about... Um, uh, the idea of him basically being promoted out of his station. Uh, have we? I, I, I've suddenly got a weird deja vu that we might have talked about it before. Have we talked about the Peter Principle before? Doesn't ring a bell. Don't think so. So the Peter Principle is, uh, I don't know what, from economics or sociology or, or whatever. Basically, it's a theory that um, very often when people are kind of good at a job, they tend to get promoted. However, if you follow that, line through to his natural conclusion you will very often get people promoted into roles that they're actually no longer good at just because you're mm. a good salesman doesn't mean you can lead a sales team for example we have, we have talked about this <laughs> yeah and, and and this is this is exactly what this is he he has just been he is uh, a, a perfect victim of the peter principle of just he's just been around long enough to deserve promotions that uh, he's ended up in this position despite being completely unqualified to do it 
Although actually that it's a slight difference or the way that it's quoted in this is that he actually isn't deserved of promotions, but he want people want to get rid of him, so they falsely recommended him for promotion so that, that he could get a better job somewhere else. Basically gave him like a glowing resume or whatever and it was like, Oh, cool, we bring him in just to get rid. Yeah, that 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 too. That's uh I wonder how much that happens in real life for for an upwards promotion. I can see that happening for sideways, but not I'm surprised that many people are that uh, cheeky to allow that to happen in a in a vertical direction, but who knows? Um, other mental storylines that happen. You mentioned it a bit. A guy on a mo- mobility scooter. Um, it, it's a Guinness drunken crazy old man on a mobility, a mobility scooter who also has a harpoon. Um, or sorry, there is a harpoon that they're trying to stop him with, and then one of the staff gets shot with it, and like there's blood, like you actually see blood coming out of the wound, which I thought was really interesting. It's very rare that you would ever see, like especially in the nineties, like a wound and blood come out on a comedy. It's I believe felt, it's felt really unique. I believe it's pre watershed as well. Oh yeah, this was shown. Yeah, I think I saw that somewhere. You're, I mean, there's no swearing in it. Um, mm. uh, I think I did read that somewhere. That although it may not seem the most family friendly because it's quite a uh, you know a black comedy as they call it, uh, it's was pre watershed at the time, which seems insane to me. Yeah, um, but that that was that was pretty mental in terms of like just seeing it and the the storyline and. and uh, and then it's just the the calamity that does ensue is kind of entertaining so i mean this guy who uh gets nailed by a harpoon happens to get nailed by a door and they take him out towards the hospital on this door because he's nailed to it and then somebody else i can't even remember how uh they're having a baby was it or yeah something? That was it. yeah a baby. <laughs> someone else is having a baby so they stretch her out on another door because it was just there and they needed to take her out on something so there's like two people coming out of the legislature at the same time both on doors and he's like we're running out of doors here guys <laughs> which is great because he has a girtle for putting them on a door or putting her on a door and they're like well you're using a door i thought well, we had to he's attached it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that that was very good it's uh, i mean there's a lot of um there's a lot of injury in this i think i can't remember the number now but chris barry had quite uh there, there's a uh, actually, the, the character Brutus in a in a later episode says, "You know, twenty three people have died, and not, but none of them were staff." Uh, over the kind of years <laughs> of the show, several people die, including spoiler alert, because they come back, so it doesn't matter. Brutus, what? Brutus dies, goes to the pearly gates, and comes back. Oh, as an as an element of the episode is him going to the actual pearly gates. Yes, and there is a god and everything. Oh, see, but that doesn't feel out of place for the show, like well, really. It, it does, I think now. But I, th- I could see, I could see how it would find itself there. But I feel like that's it, that was it, jumping the shark. Like that mm. was it. That they jumped the shark. They, it, they, that's no secret that that happens in like series five. And that's probably why that they then wanted to call it a day, the writers, because they were like, okay, we've jumped the shark, call it a day. Um, but yeah, that happens. Insane. <laughs> but yeah, lot, lots of um, lots of injuries for sure. We see sort of broken legs and people in, in neck braces and all sorts of stuff. There were a couple of um, sort of interesting uh, 
little bits and pieces just from it being of its time. Uh, just a, a couple of trivia questions for you, Jay. And I like I like to do this Ooh. sometimes. Ooh. They they talk about um, Thursday being half day closing. Oh yeah, yeah. When did that stop? What year was that? Was that a thing that always existed? Then it was a it was a law up until this point. Many places did carry it on um, afterwards. It was a law. It was a in law England, in for England all businesses for. Yeah, for for retail, I believe specifically. Right. Okay. Um, oh, yeah, I have heard this now. Yeah, yeah. And it ended after this first series because they talk about it, so that that'll narrow it down for you. Um, so post nineteen ninety one, when did they end the legal uh, half day closing on Thursday? It can't have been that much later. I mean, I was. I don't have any recollection of it at school, so it must have been in, within the next following years. Ninety four, ninety three. Four. Nice. Uh but yeah, crazy. I, I, I vaguely bring remember. B- bring back, let's petition it. Half day closing Thursdays. Thirsty Thursdays. I don't know. Is that it, where Thirsty Thursdays come from? Probably is. <laughs> but is or it, maybe I, that was I, just the guys I work with in New Zealand, I don't know. <laughs> I think this is a thing in England as well, because it is here. Uh but aren't a lot of shopping centres actually late open Thursday now? Hmm. I think Thursday. Is I don't. Often... I don't do any. Sh- I don't do any shopping, mate. So I really don't know. <laughs> uh, I, I I do, and being late is often very handy because kind of after the after the sprog has gone to bed. But um, yeah, I, I've got a feeling that it's gone the complete opposite direction, and Thursday is often late closing. Oh, for, for when you said centers. late open, I thought you meant it opens later. Oh not, right, no, it, sorry, I mean no, it's open for longer. Yes, late closing is what I really meant. It'll be late closing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Start uh, again. I think that's a thing. <laughs> Um, yeah, that very well could be a thing. I mean, frankly, like I'm, I'm massively torn. Like I, I, uh, I very much have this opinion that, like, so like having lived in Australia and New Zealand, they have a much more relaxed uh, sort of way of conducting business in general. And I know, I know in Norway they're very much like time off is time off, and it's a lot more to the clock, which I'm yeah. all for, like more casual. But I tell you, I am so pissed off when like I need something for a roast dinner on Sunday at four thirty and no supermarkets are open. It's just like really on this day. Yeah, nothing is open here on Sunday, period, at all. If you're like a little corner shop that wants to be open, you're not allowed to be bigger than like ten square meters if you want to be open on a Sunday. Uh, no other type of shop is open except garden centres and like tiny small convenience stores, like literally miniature. It's uh, yeah, yeah. Which, which 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 I'm so torn at. Like, literally fifty percent of me is like brilliant. Yeah. Everything should be like, and the other fifty percent is like fucking hate. <laughs> yeah, such an inconvenience. I agree with the principle, but it's a pain in the ass. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. I mean, don't even get me started on when when you can and can't buy alcohol, but. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. Um, the other one was I happened to notice that the um, the swimming pool temperature is listed in Fahrenheit. Did yes, you notice that? that is so weird. And I was like, I know Fahrenheit was around for longer than it should have been, but I tried to find out kind of when it switched. Basically, England tried to switch, and they did very slowly over an incredibly long period of time, like a comically long period of time. The official um, meteorological... Uh, group, whatever the organisation is called in Britain. What year do you think they officially changed to Celsius? So this is mental. See, I, I didn't. I, I just kind of inferred 
that it must have happened, but I don't think I have knowledge in my brain that that England ever worked to UK to Fahrenheit. Oh so yeah, my, very much so. So uh, do you, do you know why? Well, yeah, I mean, England was completely imperial uh, because because uh, uh, yeah. metric is is European, and we were anti-Europe, like. We were not part of the EU or any of that sort of stuff. Uh, and we weren't really on board with a lot of that stuff. <clears throat> right. Yeah, the only reason America still uses it is because they got it off us, you know. Um, they weren't they weren't invited to the um, original metric party is actually the story as well, the uh, Americans. Yeah. Well, I'm guessing if you're saying it was that long, it's probably something ridiculous like the 60s. It is the 60s. God, Doing I'm well. great at this. So that the meet, it was a, the official change happened first happened with the um, Meteorological Institute in 1962, mm-hmm. um, but it it took 30 40 years before it was really effectively put in. Even by like the mid 90s, um, they were still desperately trying to do the final changes. I think it, it was 1994. They they tried for like the third time to be like, okay, we're getting rid of gallons at petrol stations and it's going to be liters. You who sell carpets, you have to go by square meters, not f- square feet. And kind of all this stuff was finally changed in like the mid nineties. But it, mm. uh, England was dragged kicking and screaming away from <laughs> the imperial system. Uh, and and even now, like our, our parents are pretty happy in Fahrenheit. Like I know they, yeah, yeah, I know they're quite comfortable because they would have done until like the mid eighties. They would have been taught Fahrenheit in school. They wouldn't. They would have been made aware of Celsius. But they would Yeah, it makes sense that they would be, but I've just never it's never come up conversationally that I'd ever or that I've got anything to Yeah, for, Far- back Fahrenheit means nothing to me. I'm good with inches and feet, but that's kind of the only imperial system I like. Like pounds and cups and all that can absolutely do one. Uh and ounces. I'm surprised you're not right with cups being such a bar bitch. Uh no, because cups are inaccurate. They're a volumetric measurement and they're therefore pointless. Yeah, yeah. Uh, pounds is okay. A pound, four hundred and sixty something grams in a pound, six hundred and forty-eight milliliters in a pint. I know quite a few of these, but mm. not all of them. Six hundred no, five hundred and sixty-eight. Did I say five four eight? I think you said six five eight. No, no, it's five five six eight. Yes, yes, it is. Yeah, I don't know if that's what I said, but I feel like I knew that. <laughs> I, all I know for Fahrenheit that um, in like just knowing people in the US and hearing US stuff is that when it starts to get to 100, it's bloody hot. Yeah, I, I know 100's bloody hot. That's all I know about Fahrenheit. <laughs> <laughs> I know 100's hot. It's like, I was, I was over 100, it's like, that's hot. Yeah, I, I think 100's like <laughs> no 30 frame of reference. something. 32, maybe. Yeah. Um, so Celsius was invented um, by a Swedish man of the last name Celsius in 1742. Um uh however the ter- i've often thought about the term centigrade you never hear anymore right yeah so what happened if was, people are still hanging on to this yeah i mean, I mean go yeah. for it I, I wasn't a huge fan of the show i've got to throw some other trivia in there <laughs> <laughs> so for some mental reason the guy who invited celsius the guy who invented celsius put the boiling point of water at zero and the freezing temperature at ice as 100 it was inverted which is a ridiculous idea. I don't know why you do that. Um, and so, and then when it was swapped around by uh, a French guy. So when it was like minus 10, it was actually ludicrously warm still. 
would because nothing would have ever really been over 100 degrees because that's boiling you know like yeah cooking would have been but yes. yeah that's what i mean so yeah, when it yeah. was 90 it was minus 10 is still ludicrously hot yeah exactly that it's so it, it's the system is stupid um yeah but then it was switched by a, a french guy the following year and he called it centigrade but officially in 1948 it was changed back to celsius the international community agreed but for Jesus. some reason the term centigrade just kind of hung on for a while but has basically become obsolete now right okay jesus christ well we all learned something today bob yeah that's that's that's, uh, that's my goal a couple of laughs and a bit of knowledge what would we do without a bit of dose, dose of culture bobby out <laughs> <laughs> Have you uh, discussed the things you want to discuss? Anything you want to go over before we think about rounding up? I've got one more kind of bit I want to touch on, and that's uh, kind of its legacy. So very recently, they had their 30-year anniversary, and uh, they did like a big online convention. They all got together. It's actually on YouTube, although the sound quality is horrific and it is completely unwatchable uh i don't know who was made to set that up but they they did an awful job of it it was done a few months ago like come on guys get your shit together that's not that hard (laughs) there's enough money in the room um but what's interesting is the talk of a a revival which of course all old series have now in 2015 there was big talk of a revival apparently a script had been written by the original writers and they were trying to get someone on board, but no one really snapped it up. Two years later, the whole cast got together in 2017 at the Leisure Centre where it was all filmed and did like a little mini get-together because the uh, Leisure Centre had had a makeover. So they kind of reopened the Leisure Centre. There was, nice. of course, talk about it then. And, of course, it's come up again a bit now because of the 30-year anniversary. It seems that the writers and all the actors are all bang up for the idea of any kind of a reboot. However, no broad- broadcaster seems the slightest bit interested. <laughs> That's quite funny. It's normally very much the opposite way, no? <laughs> yeah, you normally can't get one of the actors on board or the writer doesn't fancy it. But this is like, they're all desperate to do it, but no one wants to pay for it because no one thinks it will wipe its face, I imagine. Because it is, it hasn't got much of a legacy. That's the problem. It's just... A bit forgotten. Yeah, I mean the the audience for it is is so so small now, and I can't imagine it's going to transfer to any sort of new audience or be appealing to anyone in in terms of general stuff. So the format in general of that kind of show and that studio, not studio, but like the that I mean, it is kind studio. of sitcom is most of it is filmed in front of a an audience. Yeah, um, but yeah, I just I think it I think it's um, I think it's a bit dated. Hey, yeah, no, I on. agree. Yeah, I could, yeah, I can't see it happening basically. Um, but that that leads us quite nicely, probably into sort of some of the the final opinions, really, because that that kind of highlights it. Um, it is not a terrible show. I did did find myself laughing at some stuff there are some really clever things in there um but i would not recommend anyone to watch it like (laughs) like i wouldn't i i I don't think that there is anything there that you're going to enjoy loads that you're going to feel like you're going to miss out on if you haven't seen it it 
kind of is a little bit paving the way for some of this kind of um, office style comedy, but not enough that you're like, oh, I want to see the roots yeah. of it. It's 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 very nineties. If you've got a hankering to see some really sort of colourful and baggy clothing and and live in a bit of nineties nostalgia, then there's a bit of that going on. But it it just isn't that strong, and it's it's a shame because I genuinely love Chris Barry. Um, I did actually watch uh, some outtakes. I was just looking at some of the um, the IMDb stuff, and there was an outtakes for for a couple of series. And I watched the outtakes for series four, and it was brilliant. It was probably better than the show, <laughs> largely because it was just kind of Chris Barry doing Chris Barry and like doing the oh matron and all this sort of different voices stuff that he does, and. I think that's the saddest thing for me is I think Chris Barry is a very good actor, comedic actor, very funny. And the role of uh, Gordon Brittas is not good enough for him. Like he's only got so much he can do. Mm. And, and I don't think that's enough to, to pull the show through potentially the format and everything involved could do it. And Barry has the ability to do it, but the, it's just not quite funny enough. So um, in terms of like a stick twister or a fold or whatever, um, don't recommend anyone watched it, but uh, watches it because it's just, it's just not quite good enough, but it's not without merit. Yeah. I, I mean, I basically concur. I, I'd probably be a bit harsher. Um, I, I found the whole thing, uh, I think as I described it was uh, to, to a friend of the podcast, Rich, was it's just so shallow. There's just mm. so little depth to it. Like everything we watch has something that really pulls me in. Maybe it's kind of pop culturally very interesting or historically interesting or just incredibly funny or incredibly unique. I think every show we've watched has something like that. And probably the only one who didn't was the other one we were a bit harsh on was probably Green Green Grass as kind mm. of the least unique um and and this has the same there's just nothing really special about it there's elements of things like faulty towers which i love and alan partridge in the office which i love but it has some of the good bits but nowhere near enough of them and if you want the good bits from those things go and watch those things uh because mm. they're just better um so yeah i i was i was disappointed i i did struggle a bit through it. I left a big gap between watching the initial four episodes and then I came back and watched the t the final two later. And there is only six, not seven. I didn't make that mistake again. Um, <laughs> but it was, and it was better maybe. I'd probably put myself more in the mood for it. I kind of understood more what I was watching. But it's just not great. I don't think anyone does anything wrong in terms of even the actors I didn't like. I all think they did the best they could in the space they were given with the script they were given. I don't think anyone flops, especially Chris Barry. I think he's giving it everything. I think he is almost carrying the show into something watchable, but it's <clears> just, there's still just nothing really there. It's just incredibly forgettable for me. It almost feels like there's an opportunity there. Like <laughs> if, if, if this was written now by really good writers and and the format was the same and Barry was in the same position and it was more that sort of quick sharp laugh a minute joke joke I think there's a show there and I think I could enjoy it 
but it isn't any of those things. It's it's got tiny bits of potential, but but nothing that is really like you say pulling you in. There is no single element of it that you're like looking forward to on the next episode. And mm. maybe that changes over the series and, and, and you know, we, we obviously are a bit uh, confined to our format. But I still think that you get a pretty reasonable idea of the show. And I, and I don't think... I did... I literally flicked through an ep- a couple of episodes of Series 5 um, and it, it felt very much the same. And I, I just don't think it's going to suddenly become something that that it hasn't laid a foundation for so yeah it it i'm glad we did it i um i'm really glad that i was excited to watch it and then we watched it and i'm glad it was on the list and that we saw it but um but yeah i mean this this goes down and sort of one of the the least enjoyable things that we've seen and one of the ones that i'm less likely to ever see again and, and probably won't yeah, I, I I never have ever regretted watching anything we've watched because everything has some merit and it's not like we commit insane amounts of time. Essentially, we're just sitting down watching a comedy, writing notes. It's not, I mean, you know, boo-hoo us. Uh, but it's <laughs> it's not something I'm going to commit any more time to. Like It's like, okay, that was interesting. I, I knew nothing about it. I've learned a bit about it. Move on with my life. It, it's not like... Okay. It's not. It's not like I'll, I'll know. I'll never get that time back. But I'll, I'm not going to commit anymore. Okay. One actual question, though. Good for it. Would Would you watch the reboot? <sighs> That's a good question. Um, I'll tell you now. I would watch it, and I would probably be excited to do so because I feel like if you did that now and did it well, it might be good. And it probably is unfortunately too. Um, it's probably carrying carrying its itself on its back, and it, it's too much. It's going to be a victim of of the the path it's already laid. So it probably won't be that good. But I feel like what they did, what they do now, could be ten times better than what they did there years ago. And I'd be, I would watch it. I mean, fortunately, I don't think there is a chance in hell that would ever happen. <laughs> Um, however, no. if it did, I would be intrigued. I think having having finished something like you know Goodnight Sweetheart, you know, not that long ago, and watched that reboot and gone, that really worked. Um, it's such a shame that wasn't given time to do more. That the idea that they would put the money in a show like this instead, I'm like that would be a a huge waste of money. Like there there are th- there are things that need it, deserve it more. Cool. Well, I think we'll um, draw a line under that one, Bob. We shall indeed. Um, so now comes the best part of the show, the <laughs> um, choosing the next episode. But I have just realised that I'm not announcing it, and so that's definitely less enjoyable. Yeah, I'm, than, I'm really. I've already. I've already got the list up. <laughs> yeah, I know. I got the list up, and then I was like, "It's not even for me. It's Clo- pointless." Close it down. Right. How do I randomise? I it have. Again? I have closed it down. How do I randomise it again? I can't remember. Uh, highlight the column and randomise. Yeah, how do I randomise? Highlight the column and randomise. you got a right-click. Yeah, right-click. Randomise isn't an option. Yeah, it is. Randomise range. Right, let me <laughs> just check. I don't think Red Dwarf's here, you know. Yeah, it is. It's not, you know. That's the second thing they're going to say. Oh, it's there. It's, there. it's there. It's there. Yeah, there we I go. Don't back. It is there. <laughs> I just okay, had a weird feeling. Huh? 
I said, are you finished then with things that aren't there that are? <laughs> right. It has been randomised. Give me a number, Jay. Well, you need to tell me what the max and... Oh, right. Uh, 1 to 54. 1 to 54. I have so taken away protests. Okay. Oh, one thing I was going to mention before I press this button that everyone gets, you know, on Tinder. Are we doing any vetoes? No, nothing like that. We, <sighs> we veto before it goes on the list. <laughs> okay, cool. All right. The number is... Oh, so low. If it doesn't matter now, because it's randomised. Yeah, I know, but it was just like, I was hoping for more of an animation. It just instantly showed me a number as soon as I did it, which is just no payoff at all. It's number four. Four. Oh. What does this mean? Yes. What have we got? It, it, oh, good. It has been mentioned multiple times today. Not Red Dwarf. Faulty Towers. Oh, it's a there's, big only, there's only eight episodes, hey? Uh, oh, gold. Yeah, there's not a lot. It's is there? four and four and four, I think, or is it six and six? I'm pretty sure it's only four and four. Oh, forty towers. That is a big one. That is a proper big one. That is a big fish. That is like top five of like classic British sitcoms. There's there's twelve. It's two sixes. Oh shit. Okay. <laughs> All right, so just the first series then. But, I mean, I know every single episode and every detail anyway, so... Yeah, it, it'll be just like the we young could, ones. We could just do it. We could just do it now, basically, <laughs> yeah. the same as the young ones, yeah. Yeah, well, it'll be one of those where we watch the first series, but we'll talk about it in its entirety because both us and everyone on the planet who is listening to this podcast, certainly, has watched it all many times. I, I can't believe we have mm. a listener who doesn't know it well. I'm sure we do. But anyway... um, the the randomizer provides. We're going on a nice little journey of of things that are things that are great that we know and things that we don't. So, loving that. That's a great choice. What a change of tone, huh? Nice. Oh, I just listened to. Um, oh, you've listened to it as well, John Cleese's autobiography, haven't you? I have. Yeah, it was a couple of years ago now when it first came out, but uh, it was very fun. I only caught it um, two three months ago, maybe. I imagine it's one of the ones you hated because it basically stops at the point where you become aware of him as a famous person it's like all about his childhood right i know you're not so keen on those i did quite like it but um i would have liked some more sort of python era stuff for sure you kind of are a little bit wet wet in the mouth for that like yeah you do I have agree. to hear about about that sort of stuff but it was still great um i don't even know if much of that will come up in the episode but uh I, yeah th- I do also have uh, on on my uh, Audible, which we're plugging, despite them not being a sponsor. I know they sponsor everything else, but let's uh, <laughs> they, they, they're yet to offer us a dime. Uh, but I have um, Eric Idle's uh, autobiography as well, oh, nice. which is also exceptional and is very much his full life. And he has led a very interesting life indeed. Uh, so I maybe I'll that. smash that out over the next few weeks. As yeah, well, between now and then, do it. Not that it really has anything to do with faulty towers. No, not at all. But you know, get yourself in the mindset. You might he'll have, he he talks about John Cleese a bit, probably. Cool. All right. Um, well, we'll be joining Basil, Sybil, Manuel, Polly, all of this good stuff uh, in a month's time. So uh, hopefully you join us for that. Hopefully you've enjoyed our patter on Britus. It wasn't a very great episode um if you want some punishment then then go and watch it uh, otherwise uh, we'll catch you next month thank you very much for listening everyone thank you much very much for uh being here jamie that was uh, a fun discussion as always
Yeah, it wasn't as short as you thought, eh? No, it was good. We a nice tight hour there. We've done well. All right. Cheers, everyone. Catch you later. Cheers. Thanks very much for listening to the podcast. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can find us on Facebook, forward slash Only Fools Brothers, or on Twitter, we're at Only Fools Bros. Or if you want to send us a longer message, you can email us at onlyfoolsbrothers at gmail.com. Also really appreciate it if you could give us some sort of rating or review on your podcast app of choice. Thanks very much. Goodbye.